0: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of percy jackson in this episode we're going to read chapters five and six and in the last episode we found out more about jason's past he was part of a legion that was part of that was the upper class in regard to leadership roles kind of like the counselors at camp half blood jason was considered to be part of this legion and one of the most mightiest warriors in camp similar to how percy was back at camp half blood When Percy meets the Reina and the others, they theorize that Percy may have seen Jason as they come up with the also similar theory as we saw in the previous book, that Percy could not have survived this long since he is a son of one of the big three, a.k.a. Neptune, a.k.a. Poseidon. So it is possible that Jason is also... experiencing the same thing and may be stuck at the other camp. The group doesn't lose hope on Jason and have been holding on for eight months with beliefs like this, and that they meet uh, and that they still have hope that he will come back. However, after this conversation, we meet Octavian, who is seen to be the Oracle of the camp and wishes to be Praetor, which is uh, possibly one of the other elite leadership roles in camp. He threatens Hazel by blackmailing her with some information and eventually admitting to the readers that the to the fact of not choosing to find Jason so that it can benefit him in the end of becoming Praetor or his journey to become Praetor. After the intense conversation, Percy and Hazel go to uh, Hazel's cabin and finally we see we see a familiar face once again. We saw him in the Titan War and we see him once again now. It is the son of Pluto, a.k.a. Hades, Nico D'Angelo. Now, Nico D'Angelo and Hazel uh, admits that Nico is her brother. So now we can start theorizing that Hazel is probably the daughter of Hades as well. Now, it's possible that she might have been stuck in the same time frame or something related to time because... Of how there's the prophecy that the big three cannot have any more future children, but we're not sure. Maybe this is po- possibly what Octavian was thinking of threatening Hazel with. We'll have to see. So, with this, when Nico D'Angelo first sees Percy, he is shocked because he does remember who he is, but he continues to roll, he continues to act like he doesn't know Percy. And continues to introduce him like they're seeing each other for the first time. Now, this brings up the question of whether Nico D'Angelo is actually, you know, knows a bit more about this memory loss between Percy and Jason. And whether he was possibly involved in it. But we'll have to learn more about all of this information as we continue to read chapters 5 and 6. And from chapter 5, we start seeing it from Hazel's perspective. So chapter 5, Hazel. Hazel felt like she'd just introduced two nuclear bombs. Now she was waiting to see which one exploded first. Until that morning, her brother Nico had been the most powerful demigod she knew. The others at Camp Jupiter saw him as a traveling oddball, about as harmless as the fawns. Hazel knew better. She hadn't grown up with Nico, hadn't even known him very long, but she knew Nico was more dangerous than Reyna or Octavian, or maybe even Jason. Then she'd met Percy. At first, when she saw him stumbling up the highway with the old lady in his arms, Hazelette thought he might be a god in disguise. Even though he was beat up, dirty, and stooped with exhaustion, he had an aura of power. He had the good looks of a Roman god, with sea-green eyes and wind-blown black hair. She'd ordered Frank not to fire on him. She thought the gods might be testing them. She'd heard myths like that. A kid with an old lady begs for shelter, and when the rude mortals refuse, boom! They get turned into banana slugs. Then Percy had controlled the river and destroyed the Gorgons. He turned a pen into a bronze sword. He stirred up the whole camp with talk about the Gragus, a son of the Sea God. Long ago, Hazel had been told a descendant of Neptune would save her. But could Percy really take away her curse? It seemed too much to hope for. Percy and Nico shook hands. They studied each other warily, and Hazel fought the urge to run. If these two busted out the magic swords, things could get ugly. Nico didn't appear scary. He was skinny and sloppy in his rumpled black clothes. His hair, as always, looked like he'd just rolled out of bed. Hazel remembered when she'd met him. The first time she'd seen him draw that black sword of his, she'd almost laughed. The way he called it Stygian or Iron, all serious like he looked ridiculous. This scrawny white boy was no fighter. She certainly had not, hadn't believed they were related. She had changed her mind about that quick enough. Percy scowled. I, I know you. Nico raised his eyebrows. Do you? He looked at Hazel for explanation. Hazel hesitated. Something about her brother's reaction wasn't right. He was trying hard to act casual, but when he had first seen Percy, Hazel had noticed his momentary look of panic. Nico already knew Percy. She was sure of it. Why was she pretending otherwise? Hazel forced herself to speak. Um, Percy's lost his memory. She told her brother what had happened since Percy had arrived at the gates. So, Nico, she continued carefully, I-, I I thought, you know, you travel all over. Maybe you've met demigods like Percy before or Nico's expression turned as dark as Tartarus. Hazel didn't understand why, but she got the message. Drop it. This story about Gaia's army? Nico said. You warned Reyna?" Percy nodded. Who is Gaia anyway? Hazel's mouth went dry, just hearing that name. It was all she could do to keep her knees from buckling. She remembered a woman's soft, sleepy voice, a glowing cave, and filling, feeling her lungs fill with black oil. She's the Earth Goddess, Nico glanced at the ground as if it might be listening. The ground, uh, the the oldest goddess of all. She's in a deep sleep most of the time, but she hates the gods and their children. Mother Earth is evil? Percy asked. Very, Nico said gravely. She convinced her son, the Titan Kronos, I mean Saturn, to kill his dad, Uranus, and take over the world. The Titans ruled for a long time. Then the Titans' children, the Olympian gods, overthrew them. That story seems familiar. Percy sounded surprised, like an old memory had partially surfaced. But I don't think I've ever heard the past, the part about Gaia. Nico shrugged. She got mad when the gods took over. She took a new husband, Tartarus, the spirit of the abyss, and gave birth to a race of giants. They tried to destroy Mount Olympus, but the gods finally beat them. At least. "'The first time.' "'The first time?' Percy repeated. Nico glanced at Hazel. He probably wasn't meaning to make her feel guilty, but she couldn't help it. If Percy knew the truth about her and the horrible things she'd done... "'Last summer,' Nico continued, "'Saturn tried to make a comeback. "'There was a second Titan War. "'The Romans at Camp Jupiter stormed his headquarters on Mount Othrius "'across the bay and destroyed his throne. "'Saturn disappeared.' He hesitated, watching Percy's face. Hazel got the feeling her brother was nervous that more of Percy's might come back. Um, anyway, Nico continued. Saturn probably faded back to the abyss. We all thought the war was over. Now it looks like the Titans' defeat stirred up Gaia. She's starting to wake. I've heard reports of giants being reborn. If they mean to challenge the gods again, they'll probably start by destroying the demigods. You've told Reyna this? Percy asked. Of course, Nico's jaw tensed. The Romans don't trust me. That's why I was hoping she'd listen to you, children of Pluto. Well, no offense, but uh, they think we're even worse than children of Neptune or bad luck. They let Hazel stay here, Percy nodded. That's different, Nico said. Why? Percy, Hazel cut in. Look, the giants aren't the worst problem. Even even Gaia isn't the worst problem. The thing you noticed about the Gorgons, how they wouldn't die, that's our biggest worry. She looked at Nico. She was getting dangerously close to her own secret now. But for some reason, Hazel trusted Percy. Maybe because he was also an outsider. Maybe because he'd saved Frank at the river. He deserved to know what they were facing. Nico and I, she said carefully, We think that what's happening is death isn't... Before she could finish, a shout came from down the hill. Frank jogged toward them, wearing his jeans, purple camp shirt, and denim jacket. His hands were covered with grease form cleaning weapons. As it did every time she saw Frank. Hazel's heart performed a little skippy tap dance, which really irritated her. He was a good friend, one of the only people at camp who didn't treat her as if she had a contagious disease. But she didn't like him in that way. He was three years older than she was, and he wasn't exactly Prince Charming. With that strange combination of baby face and bulky wrestler's body, he looked like a cuddly koala bear with muscles. The fact that everyone always tried to pair them up, the two biggest losers at camp, you guys are perfect for each other, just made Hazel more determined not to like him. But her heart wasn't with the program. It went nuts whenever Frank was around. She hadn't felt like that since, well, since Sammy. Stop it, she thought. You're here for one reason, and it isn't to get a new boyfriend. Besides, Frank didn't know her secret. If he knew, he wouldn't be so nice to her. He reached the shrine. Hey, Nico. Frank. Nico smiled. He seemed to find Frank amusing. Maybe because Frank was the only one at camp who wasn't uneasy around the children of Pluto. Reyna sent me to get Percy, Frank said. Did Octavian accept you? Yeah. Percy said, he slaughtered my panda. He, oh, the augury. Yeah, teddy bears must have nightmares about that guy. But you're in. We need to get you cleaned up before evening muster. Hazel realized the sun was getting low over the hills. How had the day gone so fast? You're right, she said. We would better, Nico, I'm Frank. Nico interrupted. Why don't you take Percy down? Hazel and I will be along soon. Uh Uh-oh. Hazel thought. She tried not to look anxious. That's... that's a good idea, she managed. Go ahead, guys. We'll catch up. Percy looked at Nico one more time, as though he was still trying to place a memory. I'd love to talk to you with you some more. I, I can't shake the feeling. Sure, Nico agreed. Later, I'll be staying overnight. You will? Hazel blurted. The campers were going to love that. The son of Neptune and the son of Pluto arriving on the same day, now all they needed was some black caps and broken mir- mirrors. "'Go on, Percy,' Nico said. "'Settle in.' He turned to Hazel, and this, she got the sense that the worst part of her day was yet to come. "'My sister and I need to talk.' "'You know him, don't you?' Hazel said. They sat on the roof of Pluto's shrine, which was covered with bones and diamonds, As far as Hazel knew, the bones had always been there. The diamonds were her fault. If she got anywhere too long or just got anxious, they started popping up all around her like mushrooms after a rain. Several million dollars worth of stones glitter on the roof, but fortunately the other campers wouldn't touch them. They knew better than to steal from temples, especially Pluto's. And the fawns never came up here. Hazel shuddered, remembering her close call with Donna that afternoon. If she hadn't moved quickly and snatched that diamond off the road, she didn't want... To think about an, uh, about it she didn't need another death on her conscience nico swung his feet like a little kid his stygian iron sword lay by his side next to hazel spatha he gazed across the valley where construction crews were working in the field of mars building fortifications for tonight's games percy jackson he said the name like an incantation hazel i have to be careful with what i say important things are at work here some secrets need to say, stay secret. You of all people, you should understand that. Hazel's cheeks felt hot. But he's not like like me. No, Nico said. I'm sorry, I can't tell you more. I can't interfere. Percy has to find his own way at this camp. Is, is he dangerous? She asked. Nico managed a dry smile. Very. To his enemies. But he's not a threat to Camp Jupiter. You can trust him. Like, I trust you, Hazel said bitterly. Nico twisted his skull ring. Around him, bones began to quiver as if they were trying to form a new skeleton. Whenever he got moody, Nick, Nico had that effect on the death. Kind of like Hazel's curse. Between them, they represented Pluto's two spheres of control. Death and riches. Sometimes Hazel thought Nico had gotten the better end of the deal. Look, I know this is hard, Nico said but you have a second chance. You can make things right. Nothing about this is right, Hazel said. If they find out the truth about me, they won't, Nico promised. They'll call a quest soon. They have to. You'll make me proud. Trust me, Be. he caught himself. But Hazel knew what he'd almost called her, Bianca, Nico's real sister, the one he'd grown up with. Nico might care about Hazel, but she'd never be Bianca. Hazel was simply the next best thing Nico could manage. A consolation prize from the underworld. I'm sorry, he said. Hazel's mouth tasted like metal, as if gold nuggets were popping under her tongue. Then it's true about death. Is Alcoinus to blame? I think so, Nico said. It's getting bad in the underworld. Dad's going crazy trying to keep things under control. From what Percy said about the Gorgons, things are getting worse up here too. But look, that's why you're here. All that stuff in your past, you can make something good come out of it. You belong at Camp Jupiter. That sounded so ridiculous, Hazel almost laughed. She didn't belong in this place. She didn't even belong in this century. She should have known better than to focus on the past, but she remembered the day when her old life had been shattered. The blackout hit her so suddenly, she didn't even have time to say, "Uh uh-oh she shifted back in time not a dream or a vision the memory washed over her with such perfect clarity she felt she was almost she was actually there her most recent birthday she just turned 13 but not last december december 17th 1941 the last day she had lived in new orleans and that's the end of chapter 5 uh i i apologize for that pronunciation on um one of the words um I will try and learn about the pronunciation of that word and I'll try and improve on that. Um, but other than that, we now find out that it might that Hazel faced the almost the exact same thing as Nico and Bianca. See when Nico and Bianca, what happened with them is they were stuck in that in that casino where you know you, you spend, you spend so much time there, you don't even know what you're doing, and, you know, even Percy and Annabeth and Grover even went into that same exact trap, so with Pers- with Bianca and Nico, they kind of also did that time skip, where they they spent years inside of a casino, and it might have to, it might be similar to what Hazel faced, because She's from the 1940s, which is a very, very long time back. So she may have experienced the same thing with the casino and everything, but at a different time period. So that's why, you know, the the Hazel and Nico aren't facing that much of a punishment compared to Percy because they were stuck in the past. They were stuck. They had a time glitch of some sort, which made them stay in the present when they were really supposed to be about maybe 30, 20 or 30 now, maybe considering when this book was made. But yeah, after this break, we'll have to find out more about what exactly this event was and why it's so important that Hazel keeps it as a secret. So after the break, we're going to read chapter six, Hazel. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 6, Hazel. Hazel was walking home alone from the riding stables. Despite the cold evening, she was buzzing with warmth. Sammy had just kissed her on the cheek. The day had been full of ups and downs. Kids at school had teased her about her mother, calling her a witch and a lot of other names. That had been going on for a long time, of course, but it was getting worse. Rumors were spreading about Hazel's curse. The school was called St. Agnes Academy for Colored Children and Indians. A name that hadn't changed in a hundred years, just like its name. The place masked a whole lot of cruelty under a thin veneer of kindness. Hazel didn't understand how other kids could be so mean. They should have known better since they themselves had put up with name-calling all the time. But they yelled at her and stole her lunch, always asking for those famous jewels. Where's those cursed diamonds, girl? Give me some or I'll hurt you. They pushed her away at the water fountain and threw rocks at her as if she tried to to approach them on the playground. Despite how horrible they were, Hazel never gave them diamonds or gold. She didn't hate anyone that much. Besides, she had one friend, Sammy, and that was enough. Sammy liked to joke that he was the perfect St. Agnes student. He was Mexican-American, so he considered himself colored and Indian. They should give me a double scholarship, he said. He wasn't big or strong, but he had a crazy smile, and he made Hazel laugh. That afternoon, he had taken her to the stables where he worked as a groom. It was a whites-only riding club, of course, but it was closed on weekdays, and with the war on, there was talk that the club might have to shut down completely until the Japanese were whipped and the soldiers came back home. Sammy could usually sneak Hazel in to help take care of the horses. Once in a while, they'd go riding. Hazel loved horses. They seemed to be the only living things that weren't scared of her. People hated her, cats hissed, dogs growled, even the stupid hamster in Miss Finley's classroom squeaked in terror when she gave it a carrot. But horses didn't mind. When she was in the saddle, she could ride so fast that there was no chance of gemstones cropping up in her wake. She almost felt free of her curse. That afternoon, she'd taken out a tan roan stallion with a gorgeous black mane. She galloped into the wind field so swiftly she left Sammy behind. By the time he caught up, he and his horse were both winded. What are you running from? He laughed. Not that ugly, am I? It was too cold for a picnic, but they had one anyway, sitting under a magnolia tree with the horses tethered to a split rail fence. Sammy had brought her a cupcake with a birthday candle, which had gone smashed on the ride but was still the sweetest thing Hazel had ever seen. They broke it in half and shared it. Sammy talked about the war. He wished he were old enough to go. He asked Hazel if she would write him letters if he were a soldier going overseas. course, dummy, she said. He grinned. Then as if moved by a sudden impulse, he lurched forward and kissed her on the cheek. Happy birthday, Hazel. It wasn't much, just one kiss and not even on the lips. But Hazel felt like she was floating. She hardly remembered the ride back back to the stables or telling Sammy goodbye. He said see you tomorrow like he always did, but she would never see him again. By the time she got back to the French Quarter, it was getting dark. As she approached home, her warm feeling faded, replaced by dread. Hazel and her mother, Queen Marie, she liked to be called, lived in an old apartment above a jazz club. Despite the beginning of the war, there was a festive mood in the air. New recruits would roam the streets, laughing and talking about fighting the Japanese. They'd get tattoos in the parlor or propose to their sweethearts right on the sidewalk. Some would go upstairs to Hazel's mother to have their fortunes read, or buy charms from Marie Levisque, the the famous Gris Gris Queen. Did you hear? One would say. Two bits for this good luck charm. I took it to a guy I know, and he says it's a real silver nugget. Worth $20. That voodoo woman is crazy. For a while, that kind of talk brought Queen Marie a lot of business. Hazel's curse had started out slowly, but at first it seemed like a blessing. The precious stones and gold only appeared once in a while, never in huge quantities. Queen Marie paid her bills, they ate steak for dinner once a week, Hazel even got a new dress. But then stories started spreading. The locals began to realize how many horrible things happened to people who bought those good luck charms, or got paid with Queen Marie's treasure. Charlie Gasco Gasco lost his arm in a harvester while wearing a gold bracelet. Mr. Henry at the general store dropped dead from a heart attack after Queen Marie settled her tab with the ruby. Folks started whispering about Hazel, how she could find cursed jewels just by walking down the street. These days, only out-of-towners came to visit her mother, and not so many of them either. Hazel's mom had become short-tempered. She gave Hazel Hazel resentful looks. Hazel climbed the stairs as quietly as she could, in case her mother had a customer. In the club downstairs, the band was tuning their instruments. The bakery next door had started making baguettes for tomorrow morning, filling the stairwell with the smell of melting butter. When she got to the top, Hazel thought she had heard two voices inside the apartment, but when she peeked into the parlor, her mother was sitting alone at the seance table, her eyes closed as if in a trance. Hazel had seen her that way many times, pretending to talk to spirits for her clients, but not ever when she was by herself. Queen Marie had always told Hazel her gree-gree was bunkin' hookum. She didn't really believe in charms or fortune telling her ghosts. She was just a performer, like a singer or actress doing a show for money. But Hazel knew her mother did believe in some magic. Hazel's curse wasn't hook'em. Queen Marie just didn't want to think it was her fault. That somehow made Hazel the way that somehow she had made Hazel the way she was. It was your blasted father. Queen Marie would grumble in her darker moods. Coming here in this, his fancy silver and black suit, the one time I actually summon a spirit, and what do I get? Fulfills my wish and ruins my life. I should have been a real queen. It's his fault you turned out this way. She would never explain what she meant, and Hazel had learned not to ask her about her father. It just made her mother angrier. As Hazel watched, Queen Marie muttered something to herself. Her face was calm and relaxed. Hazel was struck by how beautiful she looked. Without her scowl and the creases in her brow, she had a lush mane of gold-brown hair like Hazel's, and the same dark complexion, brown as a roasted coffee bean. She wasn't wearing the fancy saffron robes or gold bangles she wore to impress clients. Just a simple white dress. Still, she had a regal air, sitting straight and dignified in her gilded chair as if she really were a queen. "'You'll be safe there,' she murmured, far from the gods." Hazel stifled a scream. The voice coming for her from her mother's mouth wasn't hers. It sounded like an older woman's. The tone was soft and soothing, but also commanding, like a hypnotist giving orders. Queen Marie tensed. She grimaced in her trance, then spoke in her normal voice, "It's too far, too cold, too dangerous. He told me not to." The other voice responded, "What has he ever done for you? He gave you a poisoned child but we can use her gift for good. We can strike back at the gods. You'll be under my protection in the north, far from the gods' domain. I'll make my son your protector. You'll live like a queen at last." Queen Marie winced. But what about Hazel? Then her face contorted in a sneer. Both voices spoke in unison as if they found something to agree on. A poisoned child. Hazel fled down the stairs, her pulse racing. At the bottom, she ran into a man in a a dark suit. He gripped her shoulders with strong, cold fingers. Easy, child, the man said. Hazel noticed a silver skull ring on his finger, then the strange fabric of his suit. In the shadows, the solid black wool seemed to shift and boil, forming images of faces in agony, as if lost souls were trying to escape from the folds of his clothes. His tie was black with platinum stripes. His shirt was tombstone gray. His face, Hazel's heart nearly leaped out of her throat. His skin was so white it almost looked blue, like cold milk. He had a flap of greasy black hair. His smile was kind enough, but his eyes were fiery and angry, full of mad power. Hazel had seen that look in the newsreels at the movie theater. This man looked like that awful Adolf Hitler. He had no mustache, but otherwise he could have been Hitler's twin or his father. Hazel tried to pull away. Even when the man let go, she couldn't seem to like move. His eyes froze her in place. Hazel Levesque, he said in a melancholy tone. You've grown. Hazel Tata started to tremble. At the base of the stairs, the cement stoop stew- stew cracked under the man's feet. A glittering stone popped up from the concrete like the earth had spit out a watermelon seed. The man looked at it. Unsurprised, he bent down. Don't! Hazel cried. It's cursed. He picked up the stone. A perfectly formed emerald. Yes, it is, but not to me. So beautiful. Worth more than this building, I imagine. He slipped the emerald in his pocket. I'm sorry for your fate, child. I imagine you hate me. Hazel didn't understand. The man sounded sad as if he were personally responsible for her life. Then the truth hit her a spirit in silver and black who'd fulfilled her mother's wishes and ruined her life. Her eyes widened. You, you're my... He cupped his hand under her chin. I'm Pluto. Life is never easy for my children, but you have a special burden. Now that you're 13, we must make provisions. She pushed his hand away. You did this to me? She demanded. You cursed me and my mother? You left us alone? Her eyes stung with tears. This rich white man in a fine suit was her father? Now that she was 13, he showed up for the first time and said he was sorry? "'You're evil!' she shouted. "'You ruined our lives!' Pluto's eyes narrowed. "'What has your mother told you, Hazel? Has she never explained her wish or told you why you were born under a curse?' Hazel was too angry to speak, but Pl- Pluto could seem to read the answers in her face. No, he sighed. I suppose she wouldn't. Much easier to blame me. What do you mean? Pluto sighed. Poor child, you were born too soon. I cannot see your future clearly, but someday you will find your place. A descendant of Neptune will wash away your curse and give you peace. I fear, though, that it is not for many years. Hazel didn't follow any of that. Before she could respond, Pluto held out his hand. A sketchbag, sketchpad, and a box of colored pencils appeared in his palm. I understand you enjoy art and horseback riding, he said. These are for your art. As for your horse, as for the horse, his eyes gleamed. That you'll have to manage yourself. Now, I must speak with your mother. Happy birthday, Hazel. He turned and headed up the stairs, just like that, as if he'd checked Hazel off his to-do list and had already forgotten her. Happy birthday, go draw a picture, see you another 13 years. She was so stunned, so angry, so upside down confused that she just stood paralyzed at the base of the steps. She wanted to throw down the colored pencils and stomp on them. She wanted to charge after Pluto and kick him. She wanted to run away, find Sammy, steal a horse, leave town and never come back. But she didn't do any of those things. Above her, the apartment door opened and Pluto stepped inside. Hazel was still shivering from his cold touch, but she kept crept up the stairs to see what he would do. What would he say to Queen Marie? Who would speak back? Hazel's mother, or that awful voice? When she reached the doorway, Hazel had heard arguing. She peeked in. Her mother seemed back to normal, screaming and angry, throwing things around the parlor, or parlor while Pluto tried to reason with her. "'Marie, it's insanity,' he said. "'You'll be far beyond my power to protect you. "'Protect me!' Queen Marie yelled, when have you ever protected me? Luda's dark suit shimmered, as if the souls trapped in the fire fabric were getting agitated. You have no idea, he said. I've kept you alive, you and the child. My enemies are everywhere, among gods and men. Now with the war on, it'll only get worse. You must stay where I can- The police think I'm a Murderer queen marie shouted my clients want to hang me as a witch and hazel her curse is getting worse your protection is killing us pluto spread his hands in a pleading gesture marie please no queen marie turned to the closet pulled out a leather valise and threw it on the table we're leaving she announced you can keep her protection we're going north marie it's a trap Pluto warned, whoever's whispering in your ear, whoever's turning you against me, you turn me against you. She picked up a porcelain vase and threw it at him. It shattered on the floor and precious stones spilled everywhere. Emeralds, rubies, diamonds, Hazel's entire collection. You won't survive, Pluto said. If you go north, you'll both die. I can foresee that clearly. Get out. Hazel wished Pluto would stay and argue. Whatever her mother was talking about, Hazel didn't like it. But her father slashed his hand across the air and dissolved into shadows. Like he really was a spirit. Queen Marie closed her eyes. She took a deep breath. Hazel was afraid the strange voice might possess her again, but when she spoke, she was her regular self. Hazel, she snapped, come out from behind that door. Trembling, Hazel obeyed. She clutched a sketch bag and colored pencils to her chest. Her mother studied her like she was a bitter disappointment. "'A poisoned child,' the voices had said. "'Pack a bag,' she ordered. "'We're moving.' "'Where?' Hazel asked. "'Alaska,' Queen Marie answered. "'You're going to make yourself useful. "'We're going to start a new life.' "'The way her mother said that, "'it sounded as if they were going to create a new life "'for someone else, or something else.' "'What did Pluto mean?' Hazel asked. "'Is he really my father? "'He said you made a wish. "'Go to your room.' Her mother shouted, Pack! Hazel fled, and suddenly she was ripped out of the past. Nico was shaking her shoulders. You did it again! Hazel blinked. They were still sitting on the roof of Pluto's shrine. The sun was lower in the sky. More diamonds had surfaced around her, and her eyes stung from crying. Sorry, she murmured. Don't be, Nico said. Where were you? My mother's apartment, the day we moved. Nico nodded. He understood her history better than most people could. He was also a kid from the 1940s. He'd been born only a few years after Hazel, and had been locked away in a magic hotel for decades. But Hazel's past was much worse than Nico's. She'd caused so much damage and misery. You have to work on controlling those mor- m- memories, Nico warned. If a flashback like this that happens when you're in combat, I know," she said. "I'm trying." Nico squeezed her hand. It's okay. I think it's a side effect from, you know, your time in the Underworld. Hopefully, it'll get easier. Hazel wasn't so sure. After eight months, the blackouts seemed to get, be getting worse. As if her soul, were attempting to live in two different dying periods at once. No one had ever come back from the dead before. At least, not the way she had. Nico was trying to reassure her, but neither of them knew what would happen. I can't go north again, Hazel said. Nico, if I have to go back w- to where it happened... "'You'll be fine,' he promised. "'You'll have friends this time. "'Percy Jackson, he's got a role to play in this. "'You can sense that, can't you? "'He's a good person to have at your side.'" Hazel remembered what Pluto told her long ago. "'A descendant of Neptune will wash away your curse "'and give you peace.'" "'Was Percy the one?' "'Maybe.'" But Hazel sensed it wouldn't be so easy. She wasn't sure even Percy could survive what was waiting in the north. "'Where did he come from?' she asked. "'Why do the ghosts call him the Greek?' Before Nico could respond, horns blew across the river. The legionnaires were gathering for evening muster. We'd better get down there, Nico said. I have a feeling tonight's wargames are going to be interesting. And that's the end of chapter six. We finally get to take a look back into Hazel's past and who exactly was this Sammy person. It seems like Sammy was someone that Hazel really, really, you know, liked and found solace in. And it might, it really gets the mind wondering on, as to why Hazel said that she wouldn't ever see him again. Possibly it was probably because, again, she was moving. But it could be anything else. Maybe it might have been an event that happened before she was moving to Alaska. And what exactly did her mother wish for? I think that is the really... Really pondering question. What exactly did Hazel's mother wish for that is now turned into a curse for Hazel? So we'll have to see the origin of Hazel's curse and what exactly was this wish for, and we'll have to see more of the backstory of Hazel. So, in the future chapters. So, next week we'll read chapter 7 and 8 and find out exactly. Why, if maybe the war games are going to be interesting because it will be uh, Percy, if Nico may even participate. Again, Hazel said that, you know, Nico and Percy were probably one of the strongest people. So if they compete against each other, it definitely will be an interesting match. So next week, we'll read chapters 7 and 8 and see how this goes and whether we get to know more, a bit more, about Hazel's backstory. Until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.